this is Optimus Prime, and you are listening to the Masters of None. Masters of None with Mike J and Art. Masters of None. Boop. Hey everybody, this is Scoop J. Pride from Futurama. This is Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, this is Moda Bartender, and you're listening to the Masters of None. Masters of None. I checked them out. They're very funny guys. Masters of None. A comedy podcast that doesn't suck. Um, not sure what it means, but that's why I'm going to keep listening until I find out. Over and out. What's going on, everybody? It's Masters of None. I am Jay. With me, as always, is Mike. Hello. Arts. You. We're kicking it off with uh, with an awesome guest. He's going to be in town uh, this Saturday. If you're in uh, if you're in our area here in New York in uh, Middletown area, the Fair Oaks Drive-in, uh, premiering uh, the movie that who who doesn't know this movie? It's famous. It's infamous. You know him from the room, uh, Greg Sestero. What's going on, man? Hey guys, thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely, man. Thanks for joining us. So uh, yeah, the, the uh, it's this Saturday. It's going to be a double feature of the room and the Disaster Artist. You'll be there. Uh, doing a little Q&A, doing some meet and greets and stuff. Uh, going to have some sneak previews of uh, some stuff you're working on, right? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be my, my first time up in, in Middletown. Um, the drive-in looks awesome. The guests they've had have been great. The program programming seems really fun. So uh, it's a perfect way to introduce, you know, Middletown to, you know, the best worst movie ever made. Um, it's going to blow people's minds. And then we're going to do a Q&A and talk about how I survived that movie and then just to make it even weirder, we're going to show them the Oscar-nominated version <laughs> about the making of that movie. So we just, we're really giving them everything uh, tonight they'll never forget. Just, but, um, just meta everywhere. Just <laughs> it really is. I mean, when you sit back and you talk about it, it's like, okay, I did this like 18 years ago. We filmed it 19 years ago to the day of Middletown screening. August, August 22nd was the day we started filming The Room 19 years ago. And, um, you know, to be here and showing it and then have that in your back pocket that, you know, here's the movie about how we made it, I think is a pretty good, uh, pretty good tandem. But no, it's amazing that people like, you know, they watch this movie and they're still talking about it all these years later. It's like, I was just hoping nobody would ever see it. You know, it's, uh, it, it goes to show like when you really don't want something to happen, I think, you know, oddly enough, it does. But uh, no, it's been, it's been a really, you know, cool experience to be able to travel the world really and show people um this movie and then obviously it's been great you know with the book um you know the publisher was based in new york simon and schuster and we did a big book release and people have, have really loved the disaster artist book and you know i kind of share the journey of what it's like to to be an artist and pursue your dreams and how like how frustrating and how difficult that might be and the people have really resonated with it so um all in all it's been an insane 20 years so it's and it's brought me Brought me to Middletown um, yeah. <laughs> this Saturday. So, top of the world, ma. <laughs> uh, Actually, my dad was telling me he's got an uncle from years ago that had a farm in Middletown. Okay, yeah. So, um, a lot of those. <laughs> maybe I'll have, it'll have to be like a, a Back to the Future where I'll go looking for my old relative or something. So, it's gonna be yeah, the, the Fair Oaks, the like the Bad Oaks, <laughs> the driving in the past. Uh, but so for people who don't know, I mean, if you don't know the room, it's, you know, it's, it's the best worst movie ever made, you know, made by Tommy Wiseau starring yourself and Tommy and, and the cast. And then you wrote a book about the making of it called The Disaster Artist got made into the movie. James Franco and all those guys. Uh, I mean, the, people know the backstory. We're huge fans of it. Uh, I was, you know, 
borderline obsessed with it for about three, four years. Uh, and we and got I, Jay help after a while, and he's okay. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's I was going to say because I have people. If in case you, uh, you, know, in case you <laughs> Chris R. Chris R. will come straighten it all out. So, so like I mean, you, you've you've been you know touring. You know, Tommy does the the tours. You do the tours with the movie and do the Q and As and stuff. And I've listened to so many interviews and stuff. We've all seen the Disaster Artist. I've read the book. I have questions more about like the Disaster Artist and then Best Friends, which is another movie you guys made together. Uh, a little bit later, so but I can just take over anything. Mike, Art, you want to jump in and start? Go well, ahead. You, you said I, I mean this is really is like a global movie. I, I'm wondering what's what is it like, you know, w- watching this overseas with people, and do they uh, have different reactions to it than American audiences? You know what's pretty amazing in that I so I've been to Iceland. Um, we did some screenings there, and I thought, okay, it's going to be different here. No, it's straight all the way through. You got the spoons flying, the <laughs> similar quotes, Japan, China, Portugal. Um, wow. It's all it's all like the same routine. It, it's like got its own language yeah, that's consistent all the way through. Yeah, and it, it's almost bigger in the UK Do they, than, they than anywhere else. Are so, they dubbed in like in Asia and stuff or they, they watch they it? Are, they, they have the subtitles? the subtitles. Yeah. Okay, so that's the, the Asian subtitles, but they listen to the English yeah. Audio? Okay. Yeah. Because that's that's like so much of it is just you yeah. know the particular readings of the lines and the delivery. It really is. Words. Yeah. <laughs> but you you know you you just said like it's people you know dig it the same way here in the states. But is there anything that any place that you visited that was a totally different reaction? Could be good. Could be bad. Whatever the case may be. But was there a place that like you think of like he was like wow I had no idea they were going to react this way to it. Um, I think that happened more early on, like when people didn't know what the hell to expect, like they were just brought in and there was like just dead silence. Like they just were like, this is, this is horrifying. Um, so, but after that, I feel like every time I've gone somewhere for the most part, there's been a lot of laughter. Um, you know, just, just a lot of interaction. I think as people are warned and encouraged go in with that mentality and their friends are bringing them as well so they're encouraging them to go for it oh, there's nothing like showing it to somebody who's never seen it before oh it's, it's i the- i was very late to it i i didn't i actually didn't see it until maybe about three years ago i think and we watched it we watched it thanksgiving weekend up at my uh, <laughs> parents cabin in, in in the woods and me and my brother and within 25 minutes i'm not even i i had i was coughing laughing so hard i couldn't catch my breath it was like (laughs) just when you think they're the sex scene's over here comes another and then just and the the same one that was already shot just prolonged wait a minute (laughs) killed me killed me but uh the other thing too is like you have obviously been like you said you've been all around the world and people you've done these q a's and everything is there is there a question that you're just all right, I'm I'm done ask, answering that one. Like everybody asks that one. I feel like um, usually there's always some interesting new question on all these Q and A's, and I feel like everyone that comes to a screening, it's you know a lot of people it's their first time, right? So you have to treat them like you know they're getting that answer for the first time. So it's always it's always fun because I I'm just curious for people watching it. Um, as they are of me, like, I want to know what that, what did you think? Like, how did, how, 
could you think that could ever exist on film and how did it get there? Like, I want to know their reaction just as much as they want to know how it happened. So it's always um, a give and take that I've enjoyed because versus being embarrassed of the film, I was always intrigued how, how it would be received. And if people saw it, I wanted to know would they think the same way I thought of Tommy when I met him in the acting class, you know? So, um, it's always been for the most part when I, when I've gone to universities, when I've gone to different cities, it's always been interesting to me to, to see how this movie af- affects people. And a lot of people have come up and they said, Hey, we're, we're getting married next week. We met our first date was watching this movie. And I'm like, that's a great test. You know, if you can get through this movie <laughs> and have a sense of humor, that's, you know, that's a, that's a, a good start to a promising relationship. <laughs> One of my main questions is kind of like, I guess we can kind of go, semi-chronologically but so like at the end of the disaster artist and i know you've said in a bunch of interviews like the first at the, the actual premiere of the movie the first time you kind of got to the point where your sex scene came up and then you were out right is that right like you couldn't you yeah couldn't yeah yourself on that because everyone was laughing they started laughing at the logos <laughs> and i was like oh, oh, oh yeah. no oh no and then it was just like i i don't think i can sit through this so i bolted um when that came out Right. Um, so what, what did you go back in at one point or not? I, I never went back in. <laughs> so, so I that stayed, whole... I stayed in the lobby and then I peek in from the back watching out. And did Tommy stay in the whole time? He stayed in the whole time. And so who was sitting like next to him? So what was his real reaction to it? Cause in the, in the movie, obviously they have a scene where you, you know, he comes out and he's upset and you're out there and you kind of console him and say, you know, it doesn't matter, man. It's people love your movie no matter what. And then he kind of spins it to like, oh, this is the best comedy ever made. But what? How did that really go down? Like, what was his real reaction in there? So he, he stayed in that moment with him. No, I mean he stayed in and, and watched it. I I took I was I hung out in the lobby and I watched people walk out. Um, you know, and it was really funny the reactions. A dude looked at his friend and he's like, "Man, I'll never get hard again." Um, <laughs> and people just walked out and they were like talking in the lobby and it was really interesting to hear their reaction. And they talked to me and they're like, Hey, we, we saw some of your performance. You're, you know, you're not bad. Like, don't be, and I was like, Oh no, no, it's cool. I just, I was like counting the seconds. I was like, uh, and then I went back in and it was the scene where we we're all in tuxedos and the doorbell kept ringing. And every time the doorbell rang, the whole audience laughed like it was a half hour comedy. <laughs> and I started seeing, I was like, wait, there's, there's so much comedy here that I didn't even think of. Like wow. you're seeing it come alive. And then, you know, everyone laughed were roaring when he killed himself. And then I went down to see him after the screening and he's like, yeah, I was sitting like one next to him. Uh-huh. He didn't even notice that I left. <laughs> he's like, what do you think? You come out well? And I was like, yeah, you should be really proud. And he looked at me, he's like, everyone laughing, but it's tragedy, but whatever, you know? And so he was a little like, Overwhelmed, which is understandable. I mean, I think yeah. anybody who shows a movie, whether it's good or good or bad reception, you're going to be, uh, it's an experience. Right. And so that night we did like a premiere after party and, uh, you know, his, his date was Stanley Kramer's daughter. Um, who's and he, he directed like the men and guess who's coming to dinner. And so she told him, she's like, you know, Tommy, you have a Christopher Walken vibe to you. You should, as you can tell from the screen, you should get more into comedy. Like you have a natural thing for comedy. And he kind of, he took it in. And a week later, the room poster said like with the passion of Tennessee Williams and then experienced this quirky new dark comedy. So he, 
he he played like you know both angles to see okay. what how that would work but yeah he took it and i think he probably analyzed it and and you know and then shortly thereafter he like he didn't back down he kept promoting it and and sure enough film students discovered it and they loved it and they promoted it on on their own time and i mean they treated him like you know he was uh you know, Martin Scorsese, you know, they, they loved him that much in, in their own way. So if he ever was, pretty like, was sorry, to, if he ever was like kind of crushed on the inside, he never kind of let it be known to anyone. He kind of, you think, I don't think, yeah, I don't think, I don't think crushed with that word. I think he was probably taken, taken aback and very uh-huh. much like, cause he thought people were going to be like emotionally just blown away and crying. Mm-hmm. So I just think he was, you know, shell shocked and, and figures like try to figure out what to what to what to do next and for you is that acceptance quicker like was it that night to where you're like well hey man. i mean i knew i knew what it was like when i had the dailies when we were first finishing filming and so i showed the dailies to my family and we had that first reaction that mike you were talking about as we were laughing till one o'clock in the morning just <laughs> watching takes and then my brother showed it to his friends and they were like wait who the fuck is this guy? Like we need, we need, we need to know what, what is this? You know? So I sort of had that whole experience. And then over Christmas, I went to visit my aunt in Florida and we just put on the rough cut, which like they were blown away and we laughed about it. And so it was like this home video that basically you made that I didn't think anybody would ever see. I didn't think it would ever come out. I didn't think he'd finish it. So when the premiere was happening, it was just like, Oh no, like this is, people are going to see this now. And so it became a little less funny, but um, it was still like, I was never expecting anything from it. Mm-hmm. And so sort of, it was a memorable night because he had hired a publicist to like fill the theater. So it was a huge crowd. It felt like a Hollywood premiere, but it like wasn't. Mm-hmm. So at 24, it was sort of like a, a memorable night to just have all this go down and, and experience it. But then I thought that was it. It was almost like you're getting in the ring with Mike Tyson. It's like, can you just survive one round? You survive one round. You thought, okay, we did it time to move on. And that's what I thought it was going to be. And then things changed and it's just the movie that the movie people love it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't die. You know, I, the other thing too, I, I, watching this, uh, watching the Disaster Artist, especially, it, it was um, just to see like all the things that you guys did, you know, behind the scenes and and, and uh, in between filming the movie. It really, I feel, it really is a, a very good snapshot of the time too, for whatever reason. Just because, like, I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you could have made that movie any other time. Like, I don't think you could have made it five years later or even yeah. seven years later. Hundred percent. That was like the perfect time for because it was also that um, that era of like the the first kind of viral videos, the first kind of like you know uh, cult things that kind of made it to the mainstream. You know, you know, did you hear about this word of mouth kind of stuff? Does that is is that your understanding too? Like, do you feel like you could you could have made this any other time? No, it was sort of like the perfect accident. It was like everything everything had to happen so insanely bad or whatever you want to call it that it had to be done during that time where everyone was at in their life um the right crew the right personalities it just took like the perfect storm and uh and i just think you know in some crazy way it was meant to be yeah i was gonna say so you know you're talking about like 
going in the ring with Mike Tyson, right? So after the film and all that, you decide to step back in the ring and and write the book. And obviously it became the movie, but like if, would you have changed anything different that you put in the book that you would have loved to have like done in the movie or vice versa along those lines? Because when you're writing this book, I think James Franco is going to pick this book up, I mean, into a movie. So is there something you would love to have put into the book um, to be in the film? So I, um, so when the room started getting discovered and like playing in, in theaters, like in New York and then London, I thought, okay, people are seeing this movie. If they only know the true story behind it, it's just as insane, if not more, but it's actually a story. And I was like, that could make a really good movie. So I thought, what a great challenge, you know, take this movie that everyone calls the worst movie ever, tell the story behind it and then have that become a great movie. I was like, Hey, you know, there's movies out there about Hollywood in a similar way about a weird friendship and people trying to pursue their dreams. And I, so I studied like Ed Wood, Sunset Boulevard, Boogie Nights. And so I just, um, you know, I focused on the friendship part because that was the part that meant the most to me. It's like, you know, the making of a bad movie is, is, is niche because not everybody likes bad movies. So I was like, but they could relate to two odd, you know, friend, two friends that were polar opposites, but like shared a common goal. So I, the, the goal from the beginning was that story to become a movie. And um, people looked at me like, are you like Tommy? Like, are you like, shooting for <laughs> some, you know, you're shooting for something that is so far out there. But I, I really, what I learned from making the room is you got to collaborate. You got to have a good team. If you're going to pursue something, if you try to do everything on your own, you know, it's going to be a mess. So you know, I worked with a really great co-author. Um, you know, we got a really good publisher, really good editors, and we just all tried to tell this story in a way that's relatable and, um, you know, it's something that everybody can enjoy. It's not just like the worst movie. It's a story about like, you know, a friendship that survives against all odds. And then this movie that is proof of that friendship. And so we just really went for it. And and originally um, there's this film agent who, who adapted some pretty big books like no country for old men and you know a few other ones and so he had never heard of the room he read the book he loved it he represented it and we got it like sasha baron cohen who was interested and then you know nothing really happened and then three weeks after the book came out i got a call from james franco and seth rogan <laughs> that they want to turn into a movie and i'm just like you gotta be, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> so i tommy was like you know, the book first came out, he, he's hot and cold. And then I call him and I'm like, Tommy, you're not going to believe this. Like James Franco wants to make a movie out of this. And he goes, you know what? You just say that. How, you know, like he says who. <laughs> and so we had to have like a whole conference call, the three of us. And it was, dude, it was an insane journey. Just the whole thing, them arguing, them talking about like who, who would play me. And, and, you know, why don't you get Johnny Depp? <laughs> And, and then James like laughs and it was just, it was a circus, but it was like, I can't believe this is happening. Um, it was sort of like everything that happened with the book was sort of what Tommy wanted with the movie, you know? And so we kind of helped each other out. He made this crazy movie. I didn't want to make the movie. I was in it reluctantly. There was that. And then I wanted to do the book. He didn't really get the book, but they worked together. And then, you know, we finally got a good movie out of it. So, um, so then that kind of led to why we made best friends. Um, Cause I thought we've done this now let's give Tommy a chance to see if he can really be a solid actor in a role that fits him. 
Yeah, so, so on Wikipedia, it says that it was, you kind of wrote best friends as, as sort of like a, a sympathetic, like, like, let me do this for him. Is that kind of how it came about? Like, was he not, yeah. was kind of not cut in to like the book and the movie or is that yeah, why? No, he was, he was involved like from the beginning, like we all did the conference calls together. Like he was, he was just as involved as I was in the sense of like getting that thing started. Um, so you know, that was, he, he was happy. I mean, he's never really happy, but he was, you know, that was cool because I really felt I wanted him to be a part of it too. Mm-hmm. And, and so did Franco and all that. So that was cool. And then really for me, it was seeing the disaster artist movie. I saw a test screening or really early on. And I thought it was just such a great, like inspiring filmmaker story. And I thought people, when they see this movie, they're going to really wonder what happened to us. Mm-hmm. And they're going to wonder like, you know, we'd love to see like, what have you guys done since? And I was like, you know what? Seeing that movie was like, I really think there's something with Tommy that just hasn't been utilized properly. He's never been put in a role that's like not kind of mocking or joking. And I was like, let's let's make like a full on indie noir thriller where he's like a Heisenberg type character where he's like serious and we shoot him serious. We write, I write the dialogue for him that like flat that he can work with and just like you know, not, not put him in a position to be a joke. And so I just, for fun, I just wrote this screenplay and I wrote it like in four days and I was like, you know, this is probably not going to happen, but okay, whatever. So I, I, I pitched it to him and I was like, Hey, I wrote this script and you know, I want to make this movie. There's a great role for you. And he, I thought he was gonna be like, no, sorry. And I was like, I got, and I was like, I got a crew. I got everything ready to go. And he's like, yeah, you know, we can try to make a new movie, but you know, I have one request and I'm like, Oh, here we go. And he's like <laughs> six sex scenes. <laughs> and he's like, in this, in this movie, I want, I want to be same height as you. Oh, that's good. I was like, same height as me. I was like, sure, <laughs> whatever, we'll do it. And so he went and had these platform heels made. Um, and so in the movie, he's, he's like, you can't show these heels though. Like they have to be hidden you can only shoot me this way. And so sure enough, like he sees the movie for the first time. The first thing you see are his shoes. And I was like, <laughs> dear God. But um, no, I think best friends is something that, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's an interesting successor to the room and that it shows wow. Tommy as somebody who, um, you know, in the right role can give you something um, pretty, pretty interesting. That just that, what he said there, like, I want to be as tall as you, that has like so much, depth and meaning to yeah, it. Right. Like, that's <laughs> yeah, that's like, oh, let's check that for a second. You can unpack that for a while yeah. if you wanted to. <laughs> you know what? If I, maybe if, if I, uh, I should use that line with, uh, if I ever meet Michael Jordan. <laughs> um, all right. I'd love to do a rapid fire, true or false of things that are in the disaster artist. And you just tell me if they're true or false. Or not. Can we do that? Sure. Yeah. We got to start with a uh, uh, robot crab on the dashboard of the car. True. No fuck. <laughs> Don't talk to robot crab. He's shy. T- totally true. Oh no, he in the, in real life he said, <laughs> "Be careful, he may bite you." Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's, this is already better than I thought this would. These answers were going to be uh, the restaurant acting scene where you guys are just acting. Uh, go true. No, not as crazy as a movie but 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 just as embarrassing <laughs> right on uh the uh the tommy's planet pen did he really true true i still have it wow wow that's amazing uh 
did Tommy have an actual moment like the Judd Apatow moment where he kind of accosted a producer? Similar. Uh, it, it, I mean, he didn't accost anybody, but it was similar. Like he was kicked, like told to leave. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, did uh, Tommy see footage of the crew talking shit about him? Yes. Really? So that really happened? Yeah. Brutal, man. Yeah. That was, there was <laughs> and, some- he, and, he, and he kept them on. He, like he didn't, he like threatened to fire, but he kept them on still. Uh, wow. What were you going to say, Mike? I was just going to say like a, a lot of, a lot of great moment, like a lot of great, like emotional moments from that movie that it's amazing to hear that it, they're actually real. That's great. I know. Um, did you actually have a TV gig with the beard thing that he wouldn't let you do? Nah. That was a made up. That, okay. was, that was made up, yeah. Right on. Uh, was there any kind of conflict like that, though? Like something similar? To there, it? there was. There was, yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't groundbreaking, but it was basically like I wasn't needed one day on set, and I finally booked like a couple really good modeling gigs. And I wasn't needed that day, so I took the job, and he flipped out, and he was like, you have to be on set. I'm like, no, but all my scenes are done. And he's like, no, you have one more. I forgot to tell you. And that was the second sex scene work that comes out of nowhere. Right. Oh. You remember late in the movie, it's like we're at a restaurant, then we I have a sex scene, then we're jogging. So he <laughs> threw that in to try to get me back to the set. So mm. And then my last one is, uh, was there that moment uh, on the rooftop where, you know, you said you, you wish we could make our own movie and that was his like light bulb moment? Maybe that was predicting the right future because that, that was more how best friends happen. But the room, I was like, I don't want to be in this. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's the spirit of sort of us moving to L.A. together. But for the came to the room, I did everything I could not to be in it. And it was like the night before filming that he convinced me to be in it, which is kind of crazy. I, right. I, I, I be like a backup, right, for that role. It's a good backup, yeah. <laughs> he had like understudies for each role. He did, yeah. There's somebody else cast that he wasn't happy with. He's like, last chance. You don't take the role, you know, you 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 will regret rest of your life. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Right. But hey, I mean, in some ways, it's, you know, I gotta say he was right. I got one. the uh, The scene where you first meet him and he does that audition, and and he loses his shit and just goes all over the place. Like, was how yeah, how fun. how on point was that? How on point was the Franco's class? performance in that? In the, the acting, acting class? class? Yeah, in the acting class. It was a, you know, a little bit more over there. It was like a good like collection of his, you know, his performances. But, uh, you know, he, the one that he did was more like a, a sonnet. It was Shakespeare. Which is also Which, in the movie, kind of. There's a yeah. the second when he's in L.A. Yeah, with Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. He was a little, um, you know little it was just as big of a mess maybe not as big but it definitely that's something he would do because i i always I, I always admired uh dave franco you're you uh go, like going up to him afterwards saying hey man that's like nothing i've ever seen i want to do a scene with you like is that it, you it really you- no it really it really was like i gotta give it to him like i've been taking acting classes for several years and whenever he would step up there it was that blew everything else away. Like I, I normally when you're watching actors do scenes, you're just kind of in your own head and you're thinking about your scene and you're just seeing acting. But when he went up there, it was like everything stopped. It was, it was so funny. It was so funny and so unpredictable. And he'd argue with the teacher. It was just like, it was so liberating. Um, (laughs) And so I got to give it to him. Like, yeah, I, I would go sometimes to class just to see what he was going to do. And that is, uh, 
you know, that's a huge compliment to, to anybody in a class because, you know, in class you're in your own head. So it, it takes a lot to be able to enjoy someone else's performance. Yeah. It's all about standing out, whether it's an audition or a class, like if you're just the same as everybody else, then what the hell? Yep. All right. I got right. two more. Uh, get our, is that, you know, so Mike was talking about like having the, you know, the room be filmed at that perfect time. And, you know, you, we were talking before we were recording, you got some projects, you got a lot of stuff going on, be, you know, actor, screenwriter, author, all these things. Just, we've seen the landscape, especially during this pandemic, like how crazy and how like the, the entertainment industry is adapting to like people, all these other things. What's your take on like how, just, you know, just all the hats you wear, what do you think the state of the entertainment industry and how have you yourself adapted to all these changes that are going on? That's a really good question. Um, I was, I was really lucky. I, um, I made those best friends movies, did the tour. I started getting the idea for what I wanted to do next. I wanted to get into horror. I got a role on the haunting of Bly Manor, um, through Mike Flanagan. Um, and I filmed that in Canada, wrote the horror film. We, literally filmed it just before the pandemic started. Um, and I kept, people kept telling me like my DP and my crew, they're like, Hey dude, let's wait till like March or April of 2020 and give ourselves more time and then film it. And I remember I was like, now nah, we well, better never to wait. You never know what could happen. We're never going to be perfectly ready. Let's just do it. And I mean, we, so we had everything done. So, so we could do post-production during all this, all the pandemic. And stay sane by having stuff to do and stay creative. And I've been able to write these scripts. So, um, you know, I'm just now starting to get back out there, uh, and do these advanced screenings. And, and honestly, through the room, I built really a great rapport with theaters that will now show these new films I've made. I can show up and meet, you know, these great fans that have supported us. And I've some, I've, you know, I have Miracle Valley, which is the new horror film I made about a cult. I did a movie also right before the pandemic called Cyst with George Hardy from troll Two, um, no podcast about that on Jared. Yeah. That's what you guys. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Which is, uh, which was really fun. And then I, I shot a, uh, found footage paranormal movie. So I was able to like do these projects just as all this happened. So I've been really fortunate to now hopefully get back out there and be able to go out and safely do these trainings around, um, country and and give people you know some entertainment some new things to see and then i think with streaming you can you know because i think movies need to be seen in a theater to be honest like even at drive-ins or theaters i think that's the way movies should be experienced first if you can if you can have that opportunity so hopefully you know over these next few months i can do that and then obviously look to uh you know streaming for next year um, but after that as you were saying the climate now moving forward is something that I guess we'll have to, um, we'll have to navigate. Cause again, with film festivals, having them online, it's just not the same, you know, you want to yeah. go to a festival, you want to meet people and talk about movies. So going forward in like 2022, you know, hopefully things get a little bit better, but luckily starting now I have these films made and I can get out there and, uh, show them and, you know, meet fans. Yeah. People coming out to the drive-in this weekend, will get to see a little sneak, sneak peek trailer of uh, miracle Valley. Right. Yeah. Yeah, big, as Tommy would say, big secret. <laughs> <laughs> is this the first time the room's been shown at a drive-in, do you know? It's like, the for the East Coast, I think there's something out here on the West Coast, but yeah, uh -huh. the East Coast, I don't think it's it's happened, so. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I got two more quick ones. 
and I asked Tommy this, I was at a screening that he was at, but it was too chaotic and, or it just could be that he, this is the answer he usually gives, but I asked which room is the room? And he gave me something like, it's whatever you want, whatever room you want. Yeah, yeah. He'll say, you know, it's, it's up to you. You know, you can have a private place. The room is really um, when he wrote it out, the first vision after I took him to see the talented Mr. Ripley, he saw it as a stage play. Uh, so like a one. Room. So he's like, everything will happen in one stage. Yeah. And and so I was like, that's kind of a, you know, he is good with titles. Like he's got these like just punchy, like throws them out there and they're like, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of fun. So, so the room, I got that. And then when he decided I'm going to make it a film first, he just kept that title and rolled with, you know, it's, it's he still, rolled with it. I'm surprised no one's done a play version of it yet. Is that in the works? There's got to be some kind of play, like, stage version or a musical or something somebody's going to be We working. had talked to um, uh, Franco with the to do something with the disaster artist. I had also, Ben Folds, the musician, reached out to me to do something musically, um, which, would be, uh, which would be awesome. So hopefully at, at some point that's sort of the next progression. Wow. And speaking of great names, uh, I heard this on another, the other podcast I just listened to, but tell us about Big Shark. <laughs> Is this happening? It's a, it's a big shark. Um, so that was a, uh, a couple of, it's like two, damn, it's like two and a half years ago. We did a, a couple day shoot and Tommy like showed this like teaser trailer from that. So people thought it was like a movie and then it's like, that's all that exists. So, um, but I think he's, you know, he's got aspirations to like go and make the film, but um, for now that's all that's, so it's like that's Jaws in New Orleans, essentially. Yeah, this yeah, that's the that was his his vision. Want. Yeah, that was his vision. But uh, we just got in like a couple of days of, of filming stuff. So big shark, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, again, that was just tidally throughout there. It's like what are you know? Easy. Makes. I mean, I think it's it's just so it's just straight to the point, and that's it's it. like catchy in its own way. So he does have um, some interesting skills for sure. Totally. Well, I, I'm I'm spent. You guys, anything else you want to ask? We're good, man. You, that was awesome. This is great yeah, stuff. Thanks. This was great. Yeah, yeah thanks so much. So Greg Sestero will be uh, screening The Room and followed by The Disaster Artist. You're going to get a sneak peek of Miracle Valley, uh, Q&A with Greg, and there's meet and greet opportunities available for uh, some signings and photos, I guess. Go to Fair Oaks Drive-In Theater, and that's Theatra, R-E at the end. <laughs> not ER, uh, on their website. Uh, it's this Saturday, August 21st. Um, this week, we're putting this out right away so we can get the word out there. Uh, at Greg Sestero, S-E-S-T-E-R-O, on uh, Twitter and Instagram, I think, too, right? Yeah, that's right. Right on, man. And uh, anything else you want to plug real quick? Anything else coming that's, up? People, can uh, I, I actually, during the pandemic, I got really into Uf the UFO culture, and I wrote the UFO abduction script. So that'll be next. Yeah. Nice. Um, nice. After... After Miracle Valley. We have a UFO, the UFO museum now. Maybe you can come yeah, check that out. I'll, I'll be there. I'll be we there have, on have, Saturday. Yeah, September. We, we have can, a UFO day. We have a parade and everything. It's ridiculous. That's awesome. <laughs> right on. Greg. Hey, maybe maybe we'll film there. Maybe we'll film there. Dude, brilliant, man. We love it. We love it. We're UFO nuts. Um, so thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. And uh, hope to see you this weekend at the Fair Oaks Drive-In. Here, uh, you got it, man. Town. Thanks so much, Greg. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Don't forget to leave us a review and rating on iTunes and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Masters of None. Check out
Check out the website, mastersofnone.com. It includes episodes, news, articles, videos, pictures, so much fucking more, man. Check them out. Masters of None. Masters of a fucking excellent domain name. I'll tell you that right now. Father too many. Man, they had it. I think someone had it and they were like, we Fisher want that. I got it again. again. You think they had to buy it? I would think, man. Like you said, that's a that's a good name. Once they got, they were going way far, way far back. Maybe they got, they saw that. And maybe they got, they got it. Maybe they got it way back. How far back? Way back. How far are you gonna go back? Way back. As we go around, like this. All right, check them out. Mastersofnone.com. Uh,